to the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Amen. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. I'm thankful for everybody that worked hard for the fellowship hall. I've said this last week. I, I want to say it again this week in the, in the course of, I think we started in around October of last year, maybe November of last year, uh, to now, to Mother's Day. We raised somewhere in the tune of $7,000, maybe a little more. Uh, we paid our flood insurance and did all of that in the back. And uh, that, that was on the hard work and effort of, of you, amen, the ladies who made the pies and the people who sold the pictures and the men who helped make the pies, Brother Larry, and delivered them and done all that. We, and then the hard work that was done to get up the tile or get up the carpet and get up the pad that was under, my goodness, what a job that turned out to be. And all of that and all of that labor and the Lord has blessed us and the fellowship hall is beautiful. It's near completion. We still got to put some trim up and a few little details like that. But it's, it's a lot better than it was when we started. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 beginning in the 22nd verse. It says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. To go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I want to preach for just a few moments this Sunday morning on this Memorial Day weekend after a ferocious storm. I want to preach on the miracle in the storm. The miracle in the storm. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We love you. We thank you for your goodness. And your mercy, the great grace of God. And Lord, as we come to this house on a Sunday morning, we come to meet you here, Lord. We come expecting your word to speak into our hearts and our lives. So I'm asking the next few moments, Lord, as I preach the word of God, Lord, you let it touch us and let it change us. Lord, let it do the work that you desire in our lives, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. Life is kind of like an ocean, amen. It's seldom calm. And as quickly as the winds from one storm subside, the horizon dances with the clouds of another storm that is quickly approaching. Serving God does not exempt you from the storms. How many have found that to be true? 
Amen. The storm in our text overcame the disciples while they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. He's the one who told them to get on the boat. He's the one who told them to go to the other side. The scripture said he constrained them. Amen. He 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 made them, if you will. He he commanded them to go. And, and so they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do when they sailed into the storm. However, they learned a valuable lesson that evening that I want to share with you this morning, they discovered that Jesus was the miracle, even in the middle of their storm. The storm that we're talking about this morning, it followed a great miracle. You'll remember the story of Jesus and the five loaves and the two fishes and how he multiplied them and fed the hungry multitude. And then after he did that, they picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. The lunch started with little boys small personal meal and then when it was finished and had fed the multitude still there were 12 baskets bigger than the meal was when it started left over afterwards and although uh, we we often see God do great things for us and we see God take the little and multiply it to make it much as he's done in the fellowship hall amen we're we're thankful for his blessing we're thankful for his provision, but often after the rush of the miracle and after the excitement of what God has done, we, we come face to face with reality and, 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 and trouble comes and smacks us in the face. Amen. Uh, good things come to an end and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a valley or in trouble. Amen. The last service of revival has to come sometime. The, the camp meeting has to close out. The conference has to conclude. Everybody has to go back home. Amen. I like going to youth camp when I was a young person. I really enjoyed it to get up there away from everybody and and uh, seem like that in the company of other young people, I, I felt so free to worship God, free to become something for God, free to believe that I could pursue His will for my life. But camp always came to an end. I hated it when camp came. To, I hated the last day of camp because I knew I had to go back. I had to go back to... Uh, normal. I had to go back home. I, I was, I was aware of my inconsistencies. I was aware of my failures. I was aware of the the the, the trouble that I left behind me. And when I got to camp, I, I just kind of let everything go. Amen. I worshipped the Lord. I'd run the house. I'd shout. Amen. I really enjoyed camp. There was a certain liberty and a certain freedom there. But when I went back home, amen, I, I felt like maybe if I did those things, somebody would think I was a hypocrite. Amen. Because they knew things about me that the people at camp didn't know about me. Amen. They knew about my failures. They knew about my faults. They knew about my flaws. And so I, I hated coming home. I hated, if you would, descending the mountain. But those are the times that really test our spiritual mettle. What we do when the fervency of the miracle is over, what we do when the moment fades, when the music dies, when our friends are no longer there, when the atmosphere changes so drastically, when we go from the mountaintop to the deep, dark valley, 
Faithfulness to God is about more than just what you do on the mountaintop. Uh, faithfulness to God is about more than what you do on a, on a rip-roaring Sunday night when the Holy Ghost is moving. Uh, faithfulness to God means we keep on keeping on uh, even when the way gets rough, uh, even when the opposition gets strong. Uh, amen. Even whenever everything in the world seems to be coming against us. Uh, it's one thing to shout at camp meeting. Uh, it's one thing to shout at youth camp. Uh, it's one thing to shout on a Sunday night, uh, but it's an entirely different thing to come dragging in here on a Wednesday evening in the middle of a busy work week when the whole world's crashing in and worship him then. Amen. When Jesus commanded his disciples to get into the ship and go wait for him on the other side of the sea, he knew they were sailing into a storm. As a matter of fact, it could be argued that he sent the storm. He sent them into the storm. He knew that before that little ship ever cast off, before they ever got in the boat, that a storm was gathering on the horizon. The weather may have been fine where they were. There may have been bluebird skies. Uh, amen. But every everything may have been uh, just so wonderful there after the miracle and after the feeding of the 5,000. They may have all been elated. They may have all been excited. But Jesus knew when they got into that boat, uh, amen, the good times was coming to an end. Uh, the camp meeting was about to conclude. The youth service was going to be over. Over. Amen. Sunday night uh, was going to come to a close, uh, and Monday was waiting. Amen. He may have been the only one that knew that, but he knew it. And Jesus, had he desired, could have turned the storm away, but he didn't. If he had wanted to, he could have told his disciples, you know, you might want to run the southern route, go around the storm, but he didn't. If he had desired to, he could have told them, you know, boys, you might better wait till in the morning to launch off for the other side because it's going to get kind of rough tonight. Uh, amen. Just hang around here until the storm is gone. But he didn't. He could have given them some warning. He could have said, you know, boys, you're going to sail to the other side. I'm going to meet you there. In between now and there, there's going to be a terrible storm. But just keep your faith. Everything's going to be all right. But he didn't. He knew that regardless of what came on them, regardless of what they experienced on that sea, he was going to take care of them. He knew that no storm could wrestle them out of the safety and security of his hand. And he also knew that they needed to discover the miracle. That miracles are not just things that occur on sunny afternoons when the multitude is gathered. The miracles are not just the blessings that happen on a Sunday night or at a youth camp or at a family camp or, or some other great camp meeting service. He knew that they needed to know that miracles happen in the storm. You see, there are times in your life where God's going to let you sail into rough seas. There are times that he will allow you without any forewarning to sail headlong from the mountaintop of joy 
into the deep valley of despair. There are times when he will send you into circumstances that he already knows are going to be contrary, where the wind is going to blow against you, where the seas are going to rise up and, and the storm is going to toss you to and fro. He knows you're going to face some turbulence. Uh, he knows you're going to walk through some valleys. Uh, and he knows you're going to have to endure some storms. Uh, but he also knows that the storms will teach you things that you can't learn anywhere else. Uh, the storms are going to show you things uh, that you can't see anywhere else. Uh, it's not that he wants you to suffer. It's not that he delights in your hardships. It's not that he takes pleasure in watching you go through difficult places. Uh, but it's that he wants you to learn. Uh, just like his disciples had to learn uh, the reassurance that comes from seeing the miracle of God in the middle of the storm. You see, defeat often teaches us more than victory. Adversity does more to strengthen us than comfort and ease. And storms, as terrible and tragic as they are, teach us far more than the peaceful times in our lives. We learn more about the provision of God. We learn more about the blessings of God. We learn more about the confidence of trusting Him when we're in the storm, when everything seems to be coming apart, uh, when everything seems to be coming against us, uh, than we do in times of plenty and periods of blessing. Solomon commanded us in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 14 to be joyful in the days of prosperity, but in the days of adversity to consider. He was recognizing the timeless truth that when things go well, we enjoy them. But it's in the times of trouble and despair that we really stop to reflect on our lives. There's something about the storm that causes us to consider our ways. There's something about the storm that causes us to stop and consider ourselves, to consider the path that we're walking, the direction that we're going, consider the decisions that we're making, the choices that have led us here. There's something about trial and adversity that causes us to cut through all the facades of life uh, and strikes to the very heart of the matter and shows us some things that we couldn't see under any other set. Of circumstances. So Jesus, knowing full well that he is sending the disciples into the terrible storm, bids them farewell and sends them away. Now, the storm there is not just a minor squall, it's not just an evening thunder boomer. These were experienced fishermen, these were experienced sailors. And on that night when they encountered that storm, it was a storm the likes of which they had rarely seen before. I often marvel at the gospel accounts of, and, and there are more accounts than just what we read in Matthew, of the storm and the ferocity of it that would strike fear into the hearts of men like Peter and James and John. These are men of the sea. These are men who grew up on the decks of their daddy's boats. 
These are men who have seen a few storms. They have experienced some rough waters. They, they've sailed through some difficult places, and they've always made it through. They're here to tell the story. Amen. These aren't just uh, young guys up and coming. These are experienced veteran fishermen. Amen. They've been on the storm. Uh, they've been on the sea. They rode out the rough waters. Uh, but on this night of nights, uh, with this storm, uh, it was a different story. Fear struck their hearts. Here they are all alone. Uh, Jesus is not with them. Uh, Jesus is alone on the mountain praying. Uh, and they're in the middle of the sea being tossed uh, to and fro. Uh, amen. All of a sudden, the quiet night sky gave way to a ferocious storm. The stars that had been so beautiful in the, just a little while ago uh, disappeared one by one uh, as a dark, ominous cloud uh, began to cover the horizon. Uh, and the wind began to whip against them uh, and the waves began to toss the boat to and fro uh, first they lost their way then they lost their strength uh, and finally they lost their hope it seemed as if the storm would destroy them but when it seemed as if all hope was lost when it seemed as if everything was coming to an end when it seemed as if they would not make it through the night Someone noticed something out in the storm. Another worldly shape was moving across the waters. Fear gripped them. Someone cried out, it's a spirit. Then with one voice, Matthew 14, 26 says, they cried out for fear. It was all they could stand. As if the storm was not enough, there seemed to be a spirit walking on the water. But after a moment, they recognized that what they saw out there in the dark, walking on the waves of the storm, was a miracle. Amen. I, I don't know who recognized it first, but someone came to the sudden understanding we're not alone in this terrible tragedy. We're not alone in the middle of this storm. Jesus is right here with us. Right at the moment when it seemed as if they'd be swallowed by the waves. Right at the moment when it seemed as if the storm would do them in. Right at the moment when it seemed as if they'd be lost at sea, never to be heard from again, there came a familiar voice drifting in upon the wind be of good cheer it is I be not afraid I come to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday morning that Jesus is the miracle in the middle of your storm He's right there with you in every storm of your life. You, you never face the winds alone. You never struggle against the sea by yourself. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is right there there with you, even when you can't see him, uh, even when his hand isn't evident, even when it seems as if you're all alone, even whenever it seems as if you can't find him anywhere, if you just listen to the wind, uh, you'll hear the sound of a familiar voice, uh, calm and gentle, uh, speaking into the storm, uh, speaking into that storm-driven vessel that you own. Uh, amen. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Somebody in this place on a Sunday morning needs to realize that the miracle you've been looking for is walking right beside you. 
the miracle that you so desperately need uh, is striding across your storm. Uh, you're on a collision course this morning uh, with the miraculous provision of God. Uh, he hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten you. Uh, amen. He sent you into the storm, uh, but he didn't send you there to die. Uh, amen. This thing may test you, and it may try you, and it may challenge you, but it's not there to break you. It's not there to kill you. It's not there to destroy you. Uh, it's there to strengthen you. It's there to bless you. Uh, it's there to show you the provision of God. Amen. He sent you to the storm, but he didn't send you there alone. Perhaps our greatest challenge is to trust him. We, we may know every scripture about the provision of God. We, we may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he watches over us and that he'll take care of us. And, and, and we may be able to, to quote the scriptures that tell us he's right there with us. Uh, but it's difficult when we find ourselves uh, in the middle of the storm to remember uh, to cast our cares on him. Uh, amen. We want to take care of it ourselves. We want to try to work it out with our own intellect. We want to try to figure it out on our own. Uh, amen. It's difficult to remember. Remember when the world is falling apart, uh, amen, he's the one uh, who takes care of me. I want to remind somebody in this place today of the words of Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, where it says, for he is faithful that promised. You see, we serve the faithful God. He's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten where you are. He's not forgotten what you're going through. He knows right where you are and exactly what you face. And he's in the middle of the storm with you. He is your shield. He is your strong tower. He is your refuge even in the storm. Let me tell you a little bit about the miracle in the storm. When the disciples saw Jesus, he was walking on the water. The same waves that tossed their boat, the same seas that threatened to destroy them, the same unstable environment that was tearing their ship apart. Jesus was literally walking across the water. And where his feet touched the water, it turned solid like glass, calm and still. And steady. He wasn't, their ship was tossed to and fro, but Jesus wasn't. The boat was going this way and that and up and down and, and being torn asunder and pulled uh, every which way. But Jesus is standing on calm seas. Uh, amen. Where he steps his foot, uh, the water grows calm. Uh, amen. The wind is blowing with all its terror where they are. It's ferocious and it's terrible where Jesus is. There's a peace in the middle of the storm. You see, the master of it all brought it all under his authority. And he walked on the storm. He walked on the water. Here's a lesson that you need to learn. It's impossible to walk on water. Don't try it. Do not try this at home. Amen. When you get your fishing boat out in the middle of the river... Don't try stepping out of it and walking back to the bank. It's impossible. Water was not made to hold you up. Amen. 
Even the phenomenon of surface tension, which allows certain aquatic bugs and spiders to walk across the water, falls far short of ever being able to explain how Jesus could walk on the water. The water is inadequate to support. It doesn't have the molecular structure to hold him up. That which is inadequate to support him, though, proved by the miraculous power of God to be more than enough for him. He's the master. And he took that which couldn't hold him up, that which couldn't meet his need, that which wasn't sufficient, and he made it more than sufficient. Watch this, because if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in the story of Peter walking on the water, and you'll miss the point. Jesus comes walking across the water, the stormy sea. He receives ample support from that which was not sufficient to support him. The lesson to be learned here is that God can take that which seems insufficient in your life and make it more than abundant. He can take that which doesn't seem to be enough, that which doesn't seem to be able to meet your need, that which doesn't seem to be able to provide for you, and he can take it and turn it into something that is more than adequate, that is more than able, the cup that is overflowing. Amen. Water is not a stable surface. You can't walk on it. But when Jesus shows up, amen, the water becomes enough. There's some that are wondering how you're going to make it. You've done the math. You've made the calculations. You don't have enough. There isn't enough time. There isn't enough money. There isn't enough strength. There isn't enough energy. But I come to tell you that you need to factor God into your equation. Because with Him, the Scripture says, a little is a lot. Amen. Where He is, He takes little it makes it much. You may not be able to pay your bills on what you make. And it, it may seem impossible to pay your tithes and ever make ends meet. Uh, but listen to what I'm trying to tell you on a Sunday morning. God can do more with 90% of your income than you ever imagined being able to do with 100% of it. I can't explain it. But he walks on the water. I, I don't understand it. But he takes that which seems to be going to destroy me. And he makes it the avenue of my escape. He becomes the miracle in the storm. Now get this. When Jesus walked where it was not possible to walk, he was sending a message to his disciples that said that with my help, you too can walk through impossible places. You too can endure difficult situations. Have you ever considered it? He rides the wind. He moves through time and space. He didn't have to walk across the water. He could have left that mountain and said, I want to be on the boat and could have just showed up on the boat. He didn't need to come walking across the water to get to where they were. Amen. He could have just been there. He's God. Amen. Why walk across the water? I can tell you why. Because those disciples needed to see the miracle in the middle of the storm. They needed to see the one that controls the circumstance. Not, you know, they, they'll see him at other times stand on the bow of the ship and say, peace be still. But they needed to see him in the middle of the storm. 
They needed to see him out on the waves. They needed to understand that he doesn't need the safety and the refuge of the boat. Uh, amen. He can be right in the middle of the storm. And while the wind's blowing, the waves are roaring, and everything's coming apart, uh, where he is, there's peace. Uh, where he is, there's, there's provision. Where he is, there's blessing. They needed to know that when they encountered the impossible, they had a Savior who was more than able to accomplish the impossible. When they were overwhelmed, when they, they didn't know where else to turn, they needed to know that, my God, uh, he walks on the water. Uh, the one who watches over me, uh, impossibility doesn't hinder him. Uh, my limitations don't slow him down. Uh, amen. He's able to do anything. Somehow through the storm and through the fiercely blowing wind and through the waves and the spray of the seawater, Peter alone gets the message. Something rises up in Peter and he says, if, if he can do it, then so can I. If he can walk on the water, then he can empower me to do the same thing. And it's only Peter. You don't, you know, the other disciples, they don't, you don't hear this cry from anybody else. But Peter, it dawns on him the significance of what's unfolding before his eyes. If Jesus can walk through the impossible situations in my life, then he can empower me to do that as well. And so Peter alone lifts his voice and says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto you. On the water. And Jesus didn't say, now Peter, this is just something I do. You, know, you got to be the Messiah. You got to be God manifest in the flesh to do this kind of stuff. You just stay right there on the boat. I'll be there in just a minute. That's not what Jesus did. When Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come unto you. Jesus simply looked at him and said, come on. Step on out of the boat. Take a little walk of faith. Uh, trust in me and see what I can do for you. Uh, come. There are some of us in this place this morning that you need to hear the master's voice. He's not just saying that he's here with you in the storm. He's not just saying that he can conquer your storm. He's inviting you to step out on the waves with him. He's inviting you to walk through it with him. He's telling you that he can do for you what, what it seems to be impossible. He'll enable you to walk on the stormy waters of your life. He'll take that which is insufficient and make it to be more than enough. If you'll just trust him. If you'll just put your faith in him. My faith isn't in the doctor. My faith isn't in the lawyer. My faith isn't in the president. My faith isn't in the multitude of counselors. My faith is in the one who delivers me, who watches over me, who walks on the water. And what happened next is possibly the, the best known portion of the story. And I won't belabor the point. You know how that Peter stepped out of the boat, how he walked on the waves. And you know how that in one moment he was standing on the stormy sea and how that in the next he was distracted by the howling wind and how that he went from walking on the water to sinking beneath the waves. And you know how that he cried out to Jesus and how Jesus reached forth his hand and grabbed him and lifted him back on top of the water and how they walked together 
back to the boat. But I want to point out one more thing this morning. It's easy to see Peter's ups and downs in the story. When they set out on the journey, all was well. He, surely he was in good spirits. They had just seen an incredible miracle. But when they encountered the storm, he was afraid for his life. When he saw Jesus, he was filled with faith and expectation. And, and he even believed that he could walk on the water. But when he saw the wind again, fear struck him and he began to sink. But when Jesus reached out and got a hold of him, he was encouraged again in his faith. And he stood again on the water and he walked back with Jesus Peter's experience in all of this is a series of highs and lows, great mountaintops and deep, dark valleys, periods of calm interrupted by powerful storms. What I want you to see this morning is that Peter wasn't all that different from you and from me. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, Paul used the phrase, from faith to faith. That phrase seems to be a very brief explanation of the cyclical nature of our lives. All of us have faith and all of us trust in God. But if we were honest with each other on this Sunday morning, we could all say that at times our, our faith is stronger uh, than it is at other times. Uh, we have our highs and we have our lows. Uh, we have our ups uh, and we have our downs. Uh, amen. Sometimes we're full of faith and walking on the water and sometimes Sometimes we're trembling in fear and sinking beneath the waves. When a torpedo is fired towards a target, it leaves the ship on the correct course. It has been aimed and it's been aimed true and it's pointed towards its target. But while it's on its way, its course has to be altered through a series of mid-course corrections. The water, the currents, the waves, the elements, all of those things impact the course of the torpedo and begin to steer it one way or the other. They begin to steer it off course ever so slightly. You see, this is a precise science. If you miss by an inch, you miss by a mile. Amen. If you're, if you're one degree off to the right or the left, you, you miss your target completely and entirely. So the torpedo's course has to be corrected mid-course on its way. Amen. And sure that it hits its target as the elements push it a little to the right. Uh, amen. The programming turns it back a little to the left. And then as the, the water carries it too far left, uh, the programming turns it back a little to the right. And it runs a zigzag course, a left, right, left, right, back and forth, up down, in and out. It ventures left a little while, and then it goes right a little while, then it then it goes up, and then it goes down. And, 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 and that seemingly meandering path is really a precisely calculated set of corrections to get the torpedo to where it's intended to be. If you bear with me, I'm coming to a close pretty quickly. I can't help but believe today that that torpedo is similar to our lives. Just like Peter, none of us walks a straight line of faith from, from mountaintop to, to, to victory to victory to victory without any lows or any deviations. We all go through our valleys. We all experience our down times. We all have our troughs and our peaks, our, a little to the left and a little to the right as we make our way to heaven. I can't help but believe that it's a journey, as Paul said, from faith 
to faith that will eventually bring us to our intended end. The highs and the lows, the lefts and the rights, the ups and the downs, the triumphs and the defeats, they all work together to carry us from one faith experience to the next, keeping us on course. And from faith to faith, we make our way from earth to heaven. So I don't know where you are today, and I don't know everything that you face, but I do know that your current circumstance is all about a faith experience with God. It's about correcting course. It's about getting your focus in the right place. It's about letting God be the miracle in your storm. Would you stand with me, Brother Larry, if you get Brother Ryan? I come this morning to encourage somebody to take your eyes off of what you don't understand, off of what you don't have, off of what is bigger than you are. Instead, focus on what you do have. Little with God in it is much. Weakness with God in it becomes strength. Sorrows with God in them give way to joys. And troubles with God in them give way to triumph. When they arrive back at the ship, Jesus, with one command, sends the storms away. He calms the sea. He restores peace to their life. And they worshiped him there on that boat in the sea. And it began to dawn on them that it was never about the storm. It was always about Jesus, who he is. And what he can do. Jesus only wanted them to learn about the miracle in the middle of the storm. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what each individual in this house faces. But I know that we all go through storms. Some of us are walking through trying places right now. Things that you question. Things that you don't understand. You, you, you can't reason it out. It doesn't work out. Everything seems to be insufficient and, and incapable of bringing about a good resolution. But I come to encourage you on a Sunday morning to trust him to watch for the miracle in the middle of your storm. Because God's going to do what only God can do if you just walk by faith. Walk with him and trust in him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to open the altar for a few moments on a Sunday morning. I know it's a holiday weekend. I know I'm preaching to six or seven people today. But six or seven people need to hear the voice of God. Amen.